Let's pray together. On this, the first day of a new calendar year, as we hear the story of faith yet again, may we hear it in a way that awakens us to what you need, what you dream, what you hope for this world, so that we, your disciples, your children, might embody the kingdom so that it might come and your will might be done, even as we've been taught to pray long ago by our Lord Jesus, who prayed, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In different times in my younger years, there was nothing really more exciting and more hopeful than getting a new paper calendar for the year. Remember those days? 365 white boxes, unblemished by anything, and you get to fill them with all your hopes and plans and expectations for the new year. Now, let me explain this to the millennials in the crowd. This was not a calendar up on a cloud somewhere or just in your imagination. This was actually on paper. And you took a pen or a pencil and you wrote on it. And if you were a nerd, you actually had different colored pencils to have different uh, emphases. And if you were a real nerd, you also carried around this stuff called whiteout. Because when you made a mistake, you had to go over it and and, uh, cover it up. So you could write some new things on your calendar. They're called calendars. (laughs) They represented clean slates. The chance to start over. Which, of course, was a delusion. You don't get to start over. There aren't really clean slates. You can't really say, I'm free and independent of everything that's gone on in the past. All the things I've done, all my family, everything. You you can't do it. So we read today the gospel from Matthew chapter 2. And we realize that what we read is actually a precursor to today's cries of those who are abused by power in places both far and near. Nothing changes. You don't get to reboot on January 1st. Fear and the blindness of power leads to injustice and sorrow for the weak, and ultimately all of us are affected. And the story just marches on. So Happy New Year! This would be quite a downer, if not for the alternate understanding, the different point of view that Matthew provides for us, who says there is more to life than Herod and power 
and politics, that there is something different, something hopeful, something good, something life-giving we call God. Matthew says, there's God. Two times he writes that the angel of the Lord appears, just in this little narrative we read. I wonder what you think of when you hear the words, the angel of the Lord. Especially after having just come through the Christmas season, uh, we typically think of angels as these little winged cherubs, these little doughy, naked white kids who look like they've never done a day's work, never said a bad word, never seen the inside of a jail, never had a problem. But it's their job to carry the message from God who's far away down to a select few. That's one idea of angels. But this morning on this new day, on this new year, what if we thought of angels as a kind of shorthand? The word angel is shorthand. An angel is whatever activates you and me to love this life, to care about someone else, to want the harmony and the peace that God dreamed when the world was created. Anything that calls to us to care about the world enough to risk our own lives to change our own plans, to go outside of our own comfort zone, to make journeys from here to there because there's sacred light and insight and clarity that's an angel that comes to you. And just as it activated and awakened Joseph from a dream to actually do something, that's what angels do today. They awaken our intuition They steal up our courage. They sometimes even give us a little bit of holy cunning to know when to do what's expected of us and sometimes to do what's not expected of us. Like wise men who are told by the king, come back and tell me where you found the baby. They go home another way. Joseph and Mary. Their plan was to go back home. They paid their taxes. That's why they were in Bethlehem. But they changed their plans. What is that? An angel of the Lord appears to Joseph. An angel could come to you in a Netflix show. He could come in a news story. It could come, an angel could, could appear in your reflection on your experiences this Christmas season with your family. A conversation perhaps you had with some honest person who is woke. Someone who gets it and understands. They're angels. Let's be honest here. I'll be honest here. Only occasionally does an angel appear in church. Only occasionally is it a directly religious Experience. When it comes from a church, from a sermon, from a song, from the music we heard, that's great. But that's not really the purpose of church, at least not at Highland. The point of church is not to provide you with an ex- a spiritual experience. We don't say, let's all go to church and have a, a, a spiritual experience. Like, hey, let's go down to the oxygen bar and get this little buzz so that we can have fun for a moment. That's not what church is. 
Church is the place where we come and we reflect on our lives and we notice things that perhaps we didn't notice before and we find names and language and this larger story and even a community of people who also believe in angels, who also believe in God, who will tell you, you're not crazy, you're called. You're awakened. So go and do as the angel of the Lord has commanded you. Every day. In each life. In your life. No matter how big of a rascal you think you are. Even in your life. Angels, these glimpses of truth and love. This opportunity to join and serve. They just pop up in your life. You don't plan them. They just show up in the middle of the night sometimes or sometimes in the broad daylight when you're fully dressed. It just shows up. And if your heart is tuned in, like Mary and Joseph's hearts were tuned in, if your heart is tuned in, you'll be awakened by a messenger. And it will touch your heart. And it will raise your consciousness. Or sometimes it will drop you to your knees in praise and lament and wonder and in fullness all together at the same time. And it arouses you. It arouses your resistance to injustice. And it welcomes who you are. Who you are. Who you are right now. Welcomes who you are and your gifts and your experiences. Even the bad experiences you've had in life. Your your, your experiences, your passions, and everything that is sacred in you is welcomed by this angel who nudges you and says, it's time. It's time. That's the story of Joseph in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever noticed, Joseph doesn't have any lines. He didn't get to speak. That's why, as his namesake, I'm trying to make up for it by saying as many words as possible. Because he doesn't get to speak at all. And you get the impression from some people that Joseph is just sort of a dumb, oafish husband who just stands around silently and compliant, does whatever is told of him. But this morning, I want us to notice that like Mary, when the time called for action... When the time called to take a risk, to make a sacrifice, to go outside of one's comfort zone, when the sacred calls to join this holy work of love, Joseph said yes. He could have said, well, uh, I'm due back home. I've got all of the, I'm a carpenter. I've got all these orders and I'm, I'm behind. I can't go to Egypt now. I was just in Bethlehem to pay my taxes, and no. He acts. He's a catalyzing agent who delivers Jesus to the world in much the same way Mary does, through risk, through physical exertion, disrupting his future plans in order, in order. In order to thwart Herod's dark and murderous intentions 
which I'm sure Herod could justify. Well, this is for the good of everyone, he might say. It's for national security. We have to do this. Joseph resists. He makes room within his heart. And he and Mary take Jesus to Egypt. That's not just a Joseph thing. That's a you and me thing. There are angels all around you every day. And whenever you hear the angel, whenever you hear the messenger, even in the smallest way, you act. You pause. You have a moment of empathy and compassion and you're moved to to do. And when you do, the kingdom comes. And God's will is done on earth as in heaven. Whenever we hear the angel... And whenever we act, the kingdom comes. And conversely, whenever we hear the angel and do not act, the kingdom does not come and God's will is not done. You see, God is ready. God's ready to act. And the messengers are sent to deliver the message. There's only one more element waiting, waiting. And that's you and me. That's us. What if Joseph said, no, this this is too risky. This is too impulsive. We're already 80 miles from our home already. We came down here to pay taxes. You want us to go another 100 miles into a foreign land to try to run from Herod? This donkey has too many miles on it. I don't have the money. We can't escape Herod. He's going to make him mad, and we're going to end up being refugees. He could have said any of those things, and they would have been true. But he didn't. In an interview... Earlier this fall, our own Frank Tupper uh, had these words to say. God does everything that God can do, using the resources in any particular context to affect the most positive outcome that God can do. But if the resources aren't there, God can't work. In other words, God works miracles through the resources that are available. And sometimes that resource is you and me. It's, it's us. Whatever taps you on the shoulder and gets your attention and says it's your turn at back, that's your angel. And you're called to act. Sometimes that acting is actually a doing. Other times that acting can be a change in an attitude that you're invited to adjust or reboot. Maybe it's an attitude of resentment, of holding grudges, of letting those be healed and letting fears be assuaged. What a gift to say yes to the angel. Maybe it's an invitation for you in this first day of a new year to reprioritize your life. To think about how you spend your time. Your money. To step back from it and say, is this really who I am? Is this who I'm called to be? Am I making time for love and giving for family and for for neighbors? 
For some of you, the angel will be that which taps you on the shoulder and says, go to school, study, get prepared. It's not your turn to play the game yet. It's your turn to study, to learn, to grow. For some of you, it will be to stay one day at a time in recovery, to grow and work the steps and just put one foot in front of another. That's your work. And the angel calls you to it. In other words, the angel awakens us to what is ours to do. And we do it. Because as William Sloan Coffin said, the world is just too dangerous for anything but truth. And too small for anything but love. An angel tapped my brother-in-law on the shoulder. Clark and his new fiance, Gail, they got connected to a homeless ministry in Dallas, Texas. Connected them to real people. Not just the idea, but to real people. They got connected to a man named Greg. Greg's been an addict. He's been homeless. When they found him, he was dirty. He had no clothes. He had a broken hand. He was just a mess. They began a kind of sacred partnership. Within wise boundaries, they began to encourage and befriend Greg, to assist him, but mostly to affirm his humanity and his dignity. And so on Friday, at Clark and Gail's engagement party in Highland Park of Dallas, this well-bred group of people gathered to celebrate their announcement of their marriage, and there in the middle of them all was Greg. Several teeth missing from his smile, his jeans dirty, but he was the only black guy in the room besides the servers, and he had a great time. He talked, he laughed, you could tell he felt fully human. I realize this is a treacherous journey that's fraught with landmines and stumbles and miscues and misunderstandings. There's going to be problems of white privilege and the roles they play. There's going to be problems of shaming and stumbling. And anybody with one eye and half a brain would just say, I'm not getting in the midst of that. But the angel tapped him on the shoulder. And they said yes. And the kingdom came. Happy New Year. Let's pray together. In this new year, O oh God, may you be far more than an afterthought. But as these beautiful people in front of me represent, may you be the first agenda as we enter into this new year to be fully your people in all that we do and say and are through the power and in the love of the Christ trial, Jesus our Lord, we pray. Amen.